0: Welcome to the Vacation Effect podcast, where we discuss time and lifestyle hacks for the busy entrepreneur, helping you grow your business even faster by working less and having a lot more fun. Now, here's your host, Denise Gosnell.
1: Welcome back to today's episode of the Vacation Effect podcast. This is your host, Denise Gosnell, and today I'm excited to have my friend, Patty Mara, on the show with us. Patty has worked with hundreds of entrepreneurial-owned and operated businesses to reposition them for success and dramatically increase their growth, customer retention, and profit. She is the author of the new book, Up Solutions, Turning Your Team into Heroes and Customers into Raving Fans. Her book reveals how you can shift from transaction-based outcomes to relationship-based outcomes that allow for faster growth and profitability. Patty is the owner of Marinette, Inc., and the creator of the Profit Generator Program and the Business Breakthrough Catalyst. She lives in Georgetown, Ontario, just outside of Toronto. I'm so excited to have you on the show with us today, Patty. Welcome.
0: I am a pleasure to be here, Denise.
1: Well, I am really excited for us to chat today. And before I jump into all these great questions that I'm excited to ask you about, I always like to tell listeners how you and I know each other. So, Patty and I met through Strategic Coach, where she is one of their rock star instructors that leads sessions with other entrepreneurs. And she and I met at some different Strategic Coach events over the years. So it's so cool to have um, interacted with you over the years in so many different contexts. Absolutely.
0: It's, what, it's fun to see how both of us have evolved and changed and grown. And, it, and it's absolutely been. Actually, I think, Denise, the first time might have been with Joe Polish and a margarita.
1: Yeah, you and I shared that jumbo margarita with, um, uh, let's see, who are we with? Um, Shannon Shannon Waller. Yeah, so Shannon and you and I, we had a three-person margarita. We have a great photo of that, and there was enough for a fourth or fifth person to get in there as well. (laughs) It was great fun. So yeah, I I have had a lot of fun with you over the years, so thank you for reminding me of that precious moment. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, well, today I'm really excited to um, really dig deep into some of the things that I've not really had a chance to Talk to you about in those um, different times we've been together, but I know that you're really well-known for this subject matter. So one of those I'd love to start with is, you know, you've become well-known for looking at business from the customer's perspective. I'd love to know what got you started looking at business from the customer's perspective. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
0: That's a great question. Thank you, Denise. Yeah, so um, I had a really interesting experience when I was um, in university back in the 80s and i had a part-time job working in a bookstore and this was just a chain bookstore in a mall um and i had a really good manager and so the manager trained all of the team members that when somebody came into the store you stopped what you were doing you said hi can i help you find anything if they were looking for something you took them to the section put the book in their hand if we didn't have it we made suggestions or saw if we could order it in for them. So it was very simple. It was just customer-focused. And what stayed, first of all, it was fun to work there. The team we had fun. it was engaging. Customers um, routinely came in and said, just to let you know, this was the only store in the entire mall that we felt welcomed in. So we had that kind of reinforcement all the time. And it was just fun to work there. And at the end of the year, that little store, and this was in the late 80s, that little store had been T- on target or projected to hit 500,000 gross revenue. And at the end of the year, it had, it had done just over a million dollars. Wow. And that was strictly based on creating an a, uh, an environment that cost customers appreciated. They felt welcomed, appreciated. They wanted to come to, and they came back over and over again. That stayed with me. And that was kind of the origin, of de- walking, going down the path, where I, I just feel like a lot of times, Um, businesses, the team members and the owners miss that incredible nugget, your almost your best market research, and really your advocate out in the marketplace, connecting with your customers.
1: Well, that leads me to my next question that I think that um, is, you're going to answer a certain way from what you just said. Um, But actually, before I jump to that, I just wanted to reiterate what Patty was just talking about that one little bookstore you said did $500 million in revenue. Oh, no,
0: 500,000, 500,000. Okay. That okay. was what they were targeted to do. And they did just over a million.
1: Okay, sorry, I misheard that. But I was going to say, like, for a tiny little bookstore, though, that's a lot of revenue for one little bookstore.
0: Mm-hmm. And it in, was, in the 80s, it was.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, especially for a little mall bookstore like that back in the 80s, like you're saying. So mm-hmm. would you say most of that was because of the customer centric approach? Was that what led to that success?
0: Absolutely. It absolutely, was not. Um, you know, the late '80s was not an overperforming period of time, and to more than double the projected budget was was outstanding results. Um, and we we were actually drawing that
1: mall. Oh wow. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. Well, so that, that ties into my next question about, you know, as, as you've been coaching lots of business owners over the years, and then also, you know, through your own company, and then also being an instructor at Strategic Coach, where you're leading, you know, kick-ass entrepreneurs through their own journeys of strategic planning and growth, you know, what have you discovered is one of the biggest areas for growth that businesses or business owners are so often overlooking?
0: Um, it that really does lead from there i I find that most of the time business owners are playing the wrong game of business that they're so especially now especially since the you know we're really in a global marketplace and the impact of the internet that you know independently owned businesses business owners and businesses first of all they're the hub in the community i mean absolutely essential in what they do and the wisdom in the business um and but they're trying to compete with the big box stores which means they're being squeezed on price and so so that for me it's that overlooked that overlooked piece I, i actually think there are new business rules and the new business rules are we have to shift our focus from sales to solutions and we have to shift our focus from transactions to relationships and If you can make that, it's almost—it's almost like repositioning your business model. So it's you're literally communicating the value you provide in the marketplace, and when you do that, it's kind of that key component to turn your team into heroes and your customers into raving fans.
1: Yeah, let's talk more about what you just said there. That was really important. Shift. There's a you said there's some new rules of business, and it relates to shifting from sales to solutions and from trans- transactions to relationships. Did I understand that correctly?
0: Yeah, yes, yeah, absolutely.
1: Okay, can we dig deeper in? What do you mean by shifting from sales to solutions and from transactions uh, into relationships?
0: That's great. So one of, the, one of the pieces, the big box stores are based on transactions. And, and they can have, they, first of all, they have you know, purchasing power for lower price points, um, and they can operate on lower margins. But you don't go into one of the big box stores to get a solution. You go in there to buy something that, you know, the lowest perceived price is all you need. Interesting, we, take, we tend to take for granted what we know. So the wisdom in a business we take for granted, almost as if we think our customers know exactly what we do. And the reality is anyone who's been in a business for at least three months is an expert compared to customers. Mm-hmm. Really important point, your customers do not know the questions to ask to make an effective buying decision. True. I, I like yeah. to emphasize that because that's really important. We forget to put ourselves in our customer's perspective our, our, our customer's shoes. The customers don't even know the questions to ask to make an effective buying decision. You know, if, Denise, think about the number of times you've gone out and bought something and because you didn't know how to make, you know, how to make the decision to make the purchase based on what you actually need. You've bought the wrong thing. You, it didn't do what you wanted. You paid more money than you expected. All of those different pieces because somebody didn't guide you and you didn't know to ask for it. Mm -hmm. So that's, that there's wisdom in any independent business. There's wisdom there. So um, if you're focused on, I, I actually think that what you sell, whatever your business is, if you whatever service or products you sell, they're actually the vehicle. They're not your business. Your business is the solutions you provide. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you own a spa, you're selling manicures, pedicures, facials. But really the solutions you're providing is helping someone feel younger, helping um, some have relaxation, whatever your focus is and who you want to work with. There's a reason they come to you. If you can tap into what they get out of coming to your business, interacting with your business, those are the solutions. They're the why. And so if you, if you can communicate that, then you literally can communicate why choose you. And, and the, the rule of thumb is if you, if you don't clearly communicate the why choose you, if you don't clearly communicate the value someone will get interacting with your business, people choose the lowest perceived price, because it's the only way they can make a decision because they don't have all the information that you have.
1: Right. So, like in the vacation effect, I'm all about helping entrepreneurs have both um, plenty of free time and business growth without having to pick one over the other, like I always thought you did. And so, really, yeah. that's freedom, right? So, that's the kind of thing that I need to convey in my messaging or otherwise. How are they going to know I'm not just some other, you know, business growth tool or some other freedom tool? I'm combining the two together in a really unique way and helping entrepreneurs learn how you can actually take off two freedom days a week for yourself in the middle of the week and still have your business grow in the three days a week that you're working. So that's my unique selling proposition and that's the kind of stuff that I talk about. Is that an example of what you mean when you talk about, you know, a perfect,
0: That's a perfect example, Denise. It's a perfect example because you're really... You know the power of your freedom days is that balance and purpose and loving you know what you're spending your time doing. but how you how you talk about it it's it's also a business driver, and that's really unique. So if you're just out there talking about a a business growth program, for example, you're then lumped into every other business growth program out there, and there's some great programs out there, a coaching tool, all that but you have something really unique so your job is to communicate why choose you the outcome they'll get and i love how you've done a great job with naming vacation effect and freedom days um you have a great job with naming because your naming is doing a, a, a lot of the heavy lifting communicating the value of working with you
1: thank you yeah. And I always, of course, like to relate it to examples that the listeners can, you know, relate to so we can make sure that we're clearly conveying the, the great wisdom you, that you're talking about here. So then um, taking it well, further. And me, and, oh, go ahead. Denise,
0: can I just, because I have a, a really wonderful um, example that a friend shared with me and it was a perfect example. Um, can I share that? Yeah, please. Great. So just because it lets, it really land solid in, in people's minds. Um, a friend of mine decided he wanted to put up a shelf in his office so he went to one of those you know shelving the solution the storage stores and he's in the aisle with shelves and he's kind of looking at the different shelves and he's honing in on what he what he's going to buy and a young clerk comes up and said can i help you and and this man dan said you know no no i'm fine now here's the thing the young clerk most times people would stop there and the young clerk he's in the shelving aisle so he asked a question you know, what type of wall do you want to put your shelf up on? And immediately there's engagement because Dan had never considered it different, choosing a different shelf based on the wall. So he's, you know, drywall. And then the young clerk said, what do you want to put on the shelf? And he, you know, answered a couple books, ago, things like that and he said, well, based on that, my recommendation of a shelf would be this one because it's how it's going to anchor in. You can put this on the shelf, what you want to put on the shelf, and it won't fall off the wall. So Dan walked out of that store buying an $85 shelf. He had expected to buy a $25 shelf, but he left the store feeling happy about his purchase.
1: Ah, that's a great analogy.
0: That's great. And, and, and he
1: got a product where it wasn't going to fall off the wall because the books were too heavy.
0: <laughs> exactly. Because if, the, if he'd bought the $25 shelf and it'd fallen off the wall, he would have been left with, that's, a, that's an awful store. They sell, you know, low grade products.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great analogy. You know, so how do we take that and go from transactions to relationships? Is there a segue there?
0: Yeah, so um, it's, it's that it's that key piece, one of the things that differentiates um, independent businesses. So, you know, I talked earlier about the importance of playing your game of business. The reality is, if you focus on what your strength is, which is having interactions with people, developing relationships with people and creating solutions for them, finding out what they need, offering what you you know providing what you offer as a solution, positioning it as a solution, then um, that is the thing, that's what the chain stores can't do so your competitors can't play your who you're thinking is your competitors can't play your game of business if you have that if you're focusing a lot. So that the key piece there is literally engaging with everyone. I would say everyone that fits your target audience, but everyone who walks into your business, whatever your business is, and interact with them. Um, because your team members interact with customers every day, that's the reason they can be experts compared to your customers in a very short period of time. So. Um, I've created what I call the upsolution recipe, and the upsolution recipe is very simple, four steps. The first is to what is your um, applied observation? So when somebody walks into your business, what do you already know about them? You know, if somebody walks into a pharmacy and brings in a prescription, the pharmacy team actually knows more about what's going on with that patient than the person does because they understand what the medication's for.
1: Mm-hmm. So you
0: know a lot about what's going on with, the, with your customer by applied observation. Um, in the example with Dan going to get a shelf, the young clerk saw Dan in a shelving aisle, so he may ask shelving-related questions. So the first piece is applied observation. What do you know about them? And then the second step is probing questions. asking, Literally guiding someone through the purchasing process by asking questions to help them define what they really need, what would be a solution for their needs. Um, I remember when I was buying a, a flat screen TV for the first time and I had no, I, just, I went to a bunch of different stores and I, there was a local store uh, that I went into and they asked me great questions. They said, well, what size is the room? What, are you, what do you like to watch on TV? Um, turns out there, you, you buy different things if you like action or drama. <laughs> <laughs> um, so great questions, probing questions that literally guide someone through by asking what you need to know to make an, an appropriate up solution um, uh, offer. That third step is is provide an up solution, and that literally means just create what is the solution for their needs. What do you have that will create a solution for their needs? And the fourth one is how can you create an ongoing relationship? So, And this is, Denise, back to your question, is – Having your team really focus on getting to know people when they come in and it, don't treat it like it's a one time when they you know, buy something, thank you very much, and then you, you may never see them again. How, you know, what is it? Is it an email and you're going to send things out? Is it? Can we tell you when we have special offers coming up? Would you like to know about our event coming up? What is it that start thinking about where can you build this as a relationship because you're now a solution provider for that customer?
1: Right. So, and this applies, of course, whether you're a brick and mortar or an online company as well. I was just translating that. I know the examples you gave were brick and mortar, but you can still do all four of these with online, right?
0: Absolutely. In fact, one of my favorite examples of on- online that was an online success and then went into brick and mortar were Alberts, all you know, the shoes,
1: mm-hmm. the wool
0: and um, eucalyptus shoes, um, which I have three pairs. I love them. and they did a fantastic they did a fantastic job they've got a great website um, but their interaction their email interaction pre and post purchase um, actually had me feeling as if they were I was having a direct conversation so I feel like I have this relationship with this company that I've only interacted by email and they were so successful that they now have retail stores in large cities
1: and what do you think, if you had to dissect some examples, what do you think they did or other companies you've seen do this or that you teach did in the emails to make you feel that way? Was it like giving you little surveys or like just integrating it into the whole process of everywhere you were doing things? Can you give any examples of that?
0: I think they were very clear that they weren't just selling shoes. They were selling an experience. And so they have a cute, cute logo. There's a, this bird logo. So there's this, there's this, you know, kind of conversational, cute approach, and everything was aligned. So they knew what the business they were in, and they they had a target audience. I mean, they were so successful so quickly. They they had a um, uh, they had a big budget their first year for social media. That was how they launched, and that's the first time I came across them was actually a Facebook ad and so they had this this budget to get out there but they were very clear who they were selling to who would this appeal to um why would they want to buy these things and they're kind of their environmental their um uh it, 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 they had the whole messaging together and then it's not whimsical but it felt friendly it wasn't a lot of information it was just kind of bottom line but keeping that theme so everything was aligned and it just felt every interaction I had with them was, was just had me feel almost as if I was dealing with a real person. And I gave a pair as a gift, and it turns out I bought the wrong size. And so the person sent them back, you know, contacted customer service and sent them back. And returning was just a great, as great of an experience as purchasing without a problem.
1: Wow, that's Fameless. great. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so that's, thanks for sharing those examples. Cause you know, my mind's already churning on, you know, how are the different ways that we can, you know, make people feel like they're talking to a person when it's the autoresponder or the survey system or whatever, and really yes. building that relationship. Um, well, that actually relates to your, your new book called Up Solutions, um, how to turn your team into heroes and, and your customers into raving fans. So you've talked about this a little bit, but I want to tie it in. How can we, as business owners, turn our team members into heroes?
0: Great, thank you. So um, the first thing, there's a couple things. There's some mindset shifts. One of which is the what we were talking about—the whole idea of understanding your customers, um, what you know, what's important for them, what are they looking for. Uh, So the more you can tap into understanding your customers and then understand that for most businesses, it's your team members who have that day-to-day contact with your customers. They're the ones that are hearing what the customers want, what they don't want. They're the ones that are, you know, getting to see what creates a solution, what are the questions to ask. So um, setting your team uh, members as heroes, turning your team into heroes uh, is really setting them up to win. Uh, first of all is that whole recognition, that mindset, that they're, they're there literally to create a solution. And the moment you, you set your team up that their job is to, you know, get to know who's walking in the door or connecting online and um, find out what's important to them and how do you create a solution for their needs, the moment you do that, you turn your team in that's purpose, right? That's shifting mm-hmm. from a job or tasks to a purpose. How do they get to help people? Um, in whatever your business is. Um, and then the other, you know, there's also some structural things. The, you know, there's some key components like pillars setting a team member up for success. Here, interesting piece everyone wants to feel like they're winning.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: In, in all times, everyone wants to feel like they're winning. The challenge is if the team doesn't know what the standards are, what's expected of them to win, then they spend most of their time guessing and often guessing wrong, which is frustrating for everybody. So, you know, your team members need to know what is, what are they responsible for? What are the standards of their role? Uh, There needs to be regular communication. I like to see a minimum of a weekly huddle. Some people, some companies, it's a daily huddle. And, you know, 15, 20 minutes, it doesn't have to be long, but that everyone knows what's happening. What were the successes last week? What are some of the, uh, what are the focus this week? What is everyone, what are they working on to accomplish to report on next week? Um, So, you know, and I hear from entrepreneurs all the time, Yeah, but I'm in, communic- I'm in contact with everyone throughout the week. Yeah, it's different because people are getting what you're thinking about at that moment. You need to have something that's cohesive so everyone's on the same page. They feel like they're in, they're in communication. Um, and then the third piece is you need to be giving regular feedback and not just what needs to be improved, but also what people are doing well. Uh, and they're little things. It doesn't take a lot of time, but if you recognize your team members are the ones who are in direct contact with your customers day in and day out, empowering them, setting them up for purpose, making sure that they're set up to win. Literally, that's, that's a profit generator in your business.
1: Yeah. So let's talk about that. So when you turn your team member into a hero, play that out for me and how that translates into more profits.
0: Great. Well, um, if your team member, you know, recognize that their role is to create solutions and build relationships, and I'm going to add into also hear what customers are saying, and that goes up into that so that everyone else in the um, company hears what the customers are saying. Mm-hmm. Um, The moment you have that on on the front end and the back end. So the front end, if you are creating solutions for your customers, then they're talking about you. They're probably coming back more. They're um, increase the if you know the uh, metrics increase you know transaction uh, amount, um, uh, repeat business, um, customer retention, uh, referral base. So there's the that front end that customers feel like they're being taken care of drives a lot and that will never happen if the team are not interacting with them in a way that they feel like they're being taken care of they're welcomed appreciated and taken care
1: of so back to your bookstore example sorry um if i can use this quick example because it was just going through my mind i imagine in the bookstore example where you talked about where you where you worked in the mall um, you know, which started you focusing on this customer perspective, you were empowered to be the hero when you, this worker at the mall bookstore and you, you talked about how the sales went through the roof because you were creating this experience for these bookstore customers. And then they were telling their friends and they were coming back themselves. Is that kind of the essence of what you're talking about here on how it helps the growth by empowering you to be the hero to the customer? You, it just, there's a ripple effect there.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. So people would come to us because we could help them find the right book for a gift or mm-hmm. or something else or find something that's hard to find because we would order it in, even though we weren't supposed to, but company policy. Mm-hmm. And, and it was fun. It was mm-hmm. just, you know, I looked forward to showing up for my shift. Um, it was fun. And, you know, people complain about working in retail, especially over holidays. We had a blast. I mean, the team together, there was just this great energy. And that energy was felt by the customers as well. So, you, you, decrease, you increase retention, which means you have more experienced team members. There, there's all those different elements come into play and build together.
1: Well, then speaking of building together, let's look at the other side of that coin where you talked about, you know, turning team members into heroes and then customers into raving fans, customers into raving fans. Isn't that the other side of the coin on team members being heroes? We were just kind of. absolutely. About
0: that. Yes, absolutely. Well, when you take care of somebody, then um, when you take care of somebody, then people talk about it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um uh, there's when I first moved into this, I live in this small town just outside of Toronto, Canada. And when I first moved in, um, uh, a friend of mine who's lived in the area for a long time said, well, you know, if you're going to you choose a pharmacy, you have to choose Young's Pharmacy. They're down on Main Street. And, um, you know, it, it, she didn't even say why. She just said, you have to. <laughs> and, and over the years, I, I think there was a period of time that I had my cat on a, on a prescription and so, I mean, they, they were just fun. I mean, they were really great. They answered all the questions. You could call in. They were available. But I remember my prescription bottle for my cat's prescription was Jagera the Cat Mera. <laughs> just that extra piece. Um, but they were also had some interesting, unique um uh, lines that they carried that I had not seen anywhere else. So it became my go-to store. If somebody had a baby, for example, I knew I could go in that store and find a wonderful, unique gift that someone would love. And it was just this little section, but that was paying attention to who comes in and what do they want.
1: Ah, gotcha. That's a great example. So that's what made you a raving fan. And your friend said, you've got to go there with no explanation.
0: Yes. And, and I, I bypassed. Wow, at least four pharmacies between where I live and that pharmacy.
1: But you still go to that one instead. Still do. Yeah, so you know, when you talk about, you know, turning customers into raving fans, I mean, is that one of the biggest overlooked gold mines that business owner that you see business owners overlooking?
0: Yes. Well, and I think that's the that's the icing on the cake. And the the ingredients for your cake You need to be able to clearly communicate why choose you, not what you sell, but Mm -hmm. the results you create, the value provide, the wow for your customers. You need to be able to communicate that clearly. Your team needs to understand what it is and how to deliver an aligned experience, what we call an on-brand experience, when you deliver the solution with your products or services. Um, you know that's the ingredients in the cake and you craft your team have to know how to create that as an um a consistent experience it can't be that you do it one day and then not the other because if you're out there if you're out there um Uh, you know, talking about why choose you and you're delivering it, but you don't deliver it, you do it this week and you don't do it next week, then it's jarring. And then they're back to lowest, you're going to be, you're going to be, it's on price. If you don't deliver that value, deliver it consistently, then you're, you know, it'd be down to the lowest perceived price.
1: Right. Yeah, that's great. And, you know, it just had me sitting here thinking about your name of your book. Um, and you mentioned this earlier, Up Solutions, your up solution recipe, and the name of your book is Up Solutions. I assume that there's a play on words there with up solution, like making the solution better. Like what's the story behind what that means to you? Well,
0: and that's, that's a great question. I, I always forget to put put that in. We've heard of upselling, you know, mm-hmm. would you like fries with that? Upselling is how you bundle something whether they want it or not, or, you know, you're just trying to make it a bigger sale up solutions is a 180, It's a 180 degree difference that instead of trying to push something, you're figuring out what do they want that they may not even know that they need, but you're going to ask them questions because you know that. Um, uh, I, I spent a lot of years working with independent pharmacy owners. And so, you know, one of the things, um, and I had this as a, as an example, that somebody um, came in with, they'd been prescribed an antibiotic and they brought it back into the store and said, I want a refund. You know, you never refund prescriptions. The owner happened to be there that day and he said, uh, he said, well, you know, I just had awful side effects, you know, just awful side effects. I won't go into them because they were awful. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, uh, and, and he said, you know, he said to the, to the customer, he said, well, I don't normally, you don't, you know, prescriptions are not refundable, but I, am, I will take care of this for you. And then he just as an aside as he was doing the transaction, he said, you know, if you'd been taking a probiotic at the same time as this antibiotic, you probably wouldn't have experienced the side effects that you did. And she st- what she said is what resonated for the owner, the pharmacy owner. I wish somebody had told me about that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So an example is anytime time a pharmacy dispenses an antibiotic they should always be recommending a probiotic the research has been in for 15 years it's 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 i mean it's a it's a miss service it's more than a miss service they're not getting the value in their body of the medication if they're not also taking a probiotic and yet that's usually missed because people feel like well then i, I don't want to feel like i'm selling No, no, that's creating a solution. You're literally, you take away somebody's choice. If you don't educate the customer on what's possible, you literally take away their choice.
1: I see. So up solution is a better version of upselling because you're empowering them to decide and you're giving them the solution that they're looking for or the option to have the solution they're looking for.
0: Yes, rather than trying to create a bigger transaction on someone, you're literally paying attention. To what do they need? It's a, it's. I like to say 180 degrees. You're putting yourself in their shoes. And what, do, what do I know that they would need that they feel happy about their purchase? They leave here happy about what they've done. And often people will pay for value. They will, um, you know, Starbucks is based on people will pay for the experience of coffee in a Starbucks compared to a Dunkin' Donuts. Mm-hmm. You know, that it's all based around that experience economy. Them, um, I will happily pay to um, a, 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 whatever the business is, I will happily pay if I have a perceived value. If you're making something easy for me, then I, I'm happy to do it. I, um, I use Get Leverage a lot for outsourcing. And um, I particularly like tapping into their experts to, you know, build my website. I can literally just say, build my website. They'll ask me a few questions and, the, and they did it. But I also go to Upwork, which is more um, project-based and, it, you know, less expensive project-based. So it depends entirely where is their perceived value. And I'm happy to pay if somebody takes something off my plate and it's just handled. I, that, that for what that's worth for me, I'm happy to pay that.
1: Yeah, thank you for, and thanks for clarifying the context of, you know, where up solutions comes in versus upselling. So I appreciate you clarifying that. So I always have, one of the last questions I always ask is, do you have a favorite time or lifestyle hack that you'd like to share? So I'd of course love to have you answer that.
0: Yeah, that's great, Denise. One of the reasons I so enjoyed, I, I watched your your 10-minute uh, talk at Genius Network on your vacation effect. And I, I was so uh, intrigued because I thought, think you've created these wonderful hacks to be better balance and more freedom and better and more results. So um, I, I, one of my – just a really basic hack that um, for me is so important is I must book my days off. You know, around Strategic Coach, we call them free days you know, days that you don't do anything business related, I must book those ahead of time. And, um, you know, I book my trips at the beginning of the year or book time off, even if I, I'm not sure where I'm going to be going yet. And I have that actually laid out. And for me, if I don't book time off, that's literally, it's recharging my battery and it's the precursor for producing results. Cause when I'm tired, I'm of no value to anybody. Um, so that, that's, and, and we, you know, we were chuckling before one of the ways I made sure that happened because at the beginning, you know, 20 years ago, it was hard for me to book time off. I felt like I should be working Is mm-hmm. I got a horse. <laughs> when I got a horse, you got to take the time.
1: Right. You have to take care of the horse, right? And that's exactly you have to right. take, take the horse out, care for the horse. It's like <laughs> giving you something else Like get a pet, right? <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah. They
0: pull you outside.
1: Yeah, that's great. Um, Well, I understand you have some free resources for everyone. Can you tell us about where people can get more information about your book and the free resources that you have for them?
0: Great. Thank you, Denise. Yeah, so um, go to my website, which is pattymara.com, and that's P-A-T-T-I-M-A-R-A.com. And uh, you get information on on the book, and there's lots of blog posts and different discussions. Um, And I'd like to, uh, as an offer for everyone that listens to the Vacation Effect podcast, um, I've created a page and a tool that I talk about in my book called the Touchpoint Scorecard. It's a really simple tool to use that um, puts you and your team and your customer's shoes as a way of reflecting back what their experience is and different parts of your business. So very easy to use. There's, in, there's um, information on how to use it. And uh, there's even a video, a short video on, on how to use it. So if you go to pattymera.com forward slash vacation effect, then you'll have a page that's set up for Denise, all of your listeners, and uh, and hopefully that su- supports that they have, that they can play their game of business.
1: Yeah, great. Thank you for that. And I'll be including these links for those of you that are driving while you're listening to this. This will be included in the show notes as well on um, vacationeffect.com on the podcast link. So you can just click on Patty's episode and get the, the keynotes from the URLs for all that right there. So Thank you so much for being with me here today, Patty. I've really enjoyed our chat.
0: Absolutely my privilege and pleasure, Denise. Thank you for inviting me on.
1: Yeah, it's it's been great. And remember everyone, freedom is a mindset, not a destination. Until next time.
0: Thanks so much for listening. For more information about the Vacation Effect or for details on today's show, head over to our website at vacationeffect.com. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and review it on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts.